Greetings and welcome to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. The topic for this week is entitled Buffalo Dreams. Please welcome Reverend Thomas Parchlick of the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie. Today, Buffalo is dreaming. Buffalo dreams of the time he will wander on the open prairies again. Buffalo dreams of the time he will support healthy populations of wolves and human, bear and cougar. Buffalo dreams of the time when the skies are all blue and clear and clean. I want to talk about Buffalo today, about one of the Native American first people. There is a pioneer scene that has been part of the Indiana state seal. It's been on official paper since 1801. The elements in it are a woodsman, a buffalo, some sycamore trees, hills, and sun above the mountains. Leaves of the state tree are in the border design. Jacob Pyatt Dunn, who wrote the book Indiana and Indianans, said that the sun was rising on a new commonwealth west of the Allegheny Mountains. Dunn said that the woodsmen represented civilization, subduing the wilderness. In the seal, the buffalo thus was headed away from the sun, towards the west, the frontier retreating before the advance of civilization. Buffalo is running away in this image, weakened, defeated. The buffalo do not roam Indiana, anymore. Although I did hear, hear during the ice storm that one farmer had a herd of buffalo and he didn't worry about them at all. They're tough. They could endure the winter. They're ready for it. Today I want to speak of one of the Native American first people who had great honor. I speak of buffalo. He's sometimes depicted as chief of the buffalo nation. Sometimes he evokes something larger, the power of the prairie or the strength of storms over the great North American continent, rolling and rumbling the clouds do like a herd of buffalo, of bison. He is healthy, he is powerful, he is proud. Buffalo has always been known as his closeness to our Mother Earth. His closeness to the Earth is seen today in the bison that have taken his name. Their heads are low to the ground, they're endlessly grazing. They live wallowing in the dust. It's said that Buffalo himself can hear anything spoken by someone standing on the earth. It is said in the old days that if any human person spoke disrespectfully about the bison, that Buffalo would come and take and hide all his people away. Let me tell you a little bit about his people, the animals we call buffaloes, as they reveal some of Buffalo's nature. I should note that technically the term buffalo refers to the species of animals that are native to Na Asia and Africa. In North America, the huge prairie beasts are really a different class of animal, completely different species, and they're called bison. However, most English-speaking people are not biologists or naturalists and simply call the, bi the bison buffalo for simplicity. To the chagrin of taxonomists and biologists, I'll shift back and forth between the term buffalo and bison as need be. The American 
bison is the closest thing that the United States has to a national mammal. After all, the bison is the symbol of the Department of the Interior, the agency that looks over America's national parks and wildlife refuges. Bison are a great symbol, symbol of greatness. They're courageous animals, though somewhat temperamental. When attacked, one can thunder off in a great rumbling rush or charge against the threat. No hunter can be sure which they will do, and the horns of bison are deadly. Healthy buffalo do not even fear the wolf. Do not fear the wolf. That is why some of the Indians used to sneak up on them in wolf disguises. People admire the courage of the buffalo, of the bison. When we say someone is willing to stand her ground, we may think of a bison, firm, planted hooves. Both because of the courage of the 10th U.S. Cavalry, which originally was referred to as an all-Negro unit, and because of their appearance in the winter with dark faces wearing buffalo hide coats, some of the Plains Indians, such as the Comanche, nicknamed the 10th Cavalry the Buffalo Soldiers. The soldiers accepted their new name with pride, and the 10th Cavalry has, been, has uh, included a buffalo in its regimental crest or emblem. Bison are also very curious animals, though their eyesight is very poor, and they often explore objects with their powerful tongues. It wasn't always like this. It's said that Buffalo could see very well at the creation of the world. His eyes were as good as eagles. However, one day, while he was walking on a path between the tall, thick grasses, he encountered Spider Woman. I don't know if you know her or not. She's a weaver. She may have been small, but she had great power. She taught humanity to weave. Of course, Buffalo, because of his size, expected her to move aside and let him pass. But she, being a little wiser and a little older, expected the same of him, respect and reverence. He began to brag that he was more important because his body gave life to the human nations. She responded that her gift of weaving was much more valuable to them. The argument became more and more heated until he said he would prove his greatness by trampling that punny little body into the dust. At this, Spider Woman quickly wove a web over Buffalo's two eyes so that he could not even see her. Rushed back and forth, snorting and huffing and pawing the ground, but he couldn't find her because she had just jumped up on his back. She crawled over his back and went on her way. He tried to rub the webbing from his eyes, but it just rubbed it in. And so to this day, all bison, it said, are quite short-sighted. The American buffalo is the quintessential image of the old prairie, the life drawn from it. Years ago, the clothing, tools, weapons, combs, containers, part of home structures, furniture, musical instruments, jewelry, and of course food all came from the body, the flesh and bones of buffalo. From the Blackfoot, the Cheyenne, the Comanche, the Crow, Hidatsa, the Mandan, the Pawnee, the Sioux, all lived on the bison, and the Crow, and uh, the or the Apache, the Osage, the Cree, the Creek, the Fox. They also went hunting at times, and the men who risked their lives in hunting the buffalo got great honor. Bison were plentiful in North America. All were related 
all were woven together. The old nickel, U.S. nickel, used to have an Indian head on one side, a buffalo on the other side, indicating that they were two sides of the same coin. But our 19th century changed all this. In 1828, there were one million hides passing through New Orleans just alone. By 1830, all buffalo east of the Mississippi were gone. In 1871, a process was invented to cheaply convert buffalo hides to good leather. Many Indians had begun to join with others in hunting the buffalo for their horns and hides, and in the 1870s, this activity increased dramatically. More importantly, at this time, the Transcontinental Railroad was finished. Buffalo herd, of course, could stop a train, so the trains turned the tables on them. Tourist trains would drive into the center of a herd. Passengers would disembark or lean out of windows and begin shooting. Not for hides, just for fun. Just for the pleasure and power of destroying something of great power and size. Besides, the farmers and ranchers were coming. Telegraph poles could be knocked over by an itching buffalo. Crops could be destroyed. They had to be eliminated to make way for civilization. If you dig down below in the flat surface of Indiana in some key places, you will discover bones. The bones of buffalo butchered centuries ago. But in a symbolic sense, all the fields of the great western prairies, even those that were once woodland, are fields of corn and soybeans, all grow up from the bones of ancient bison, from the slaughtered bison. And so it was between 1870 and 1875, 2.5 million buffalo were killed each year. By 79, all buffalo south of the railroad were eliminated. Ten years later, 1889, only 835 bison were counted, less than 100 of these free-ranging. In the 90s, the number dropped another 100. Of course, long before this, the Plains Indians had seen what was happening and had been fighting to keep their way of life. The massacre of innocent people when a wounded knee is remembered as the event that ended the Indian Wars. And in a few minutes... On a day just before Christmas in 1890, 300 people died in the cold winter ground. A Sioux woman, Louise Weaselbear, remembering that day, said, We tried to run, but they shot us like buffalo. It is not the buffalo nor the Native Americans that alone that concern me today, despite the tragedy of their, their ruin. The civilization that destroyed them is the same one that comprises only 5% of the total human population, but accounts for close to 60% of the world's current resource of consumption. And the total population of the earth is rising. In the world today live more people than the sum of all who have lived between the time of cave paintings to 1900. If every nation in the world were to have our standard of living, all oil resources would be eliminated within five years. I once saw a cartoon. Around its borders were the faces of all the people of the world, different cultures of different colors, and each one had a blow dryer, all of which were plugged into the globe in the center, which had shriveled like a prune. The sad reality is that our great nation has placed itself at the edge of destruction by treating the earth as it did the bison. Abundance is not always a blessing if we forget its root if we forget to nurture it. Today we threaten to do to ourselves what we did to the Indian nations, to destroy their very source of being. 
The good news is that when people put their minds to it, they can turn things around and set a new course and change their behavior. We can remember the pledges made to Buffalo years ago by human beings to honor Buffalo's people, to remember that we are all related. In 1905, when biologist Hornday founded the American Bison Society, it's the bison population rose to almost 5,000 by 1920, and now there are tens, tens of thousands, perhaps over 100,000 bison. Buffaloes are very nearsighted creatures, but I know that we are not. I return again to the state seal. Remember the man? He's chopping down trees, and the bison is running away, jumping over one of the fallen trees. There are no cities, no buildings in that state seal. And maybe this is because it is not an image of the beginning of the destruction of the wilderness. Not at all. But of a man living in harmony with nature. Maybe the woodsman is preserving the woods by doing some selective cutting. Maybe the bison is just like all the wildlife, like the herons along the White River in Muncie, living happy and healthy near and around us. I would like to think that our state seal is not an image of destruction of the world, but of balance, of harmony, of wholeness. Not of cities built upon bison bones, but of human beings living as one figure in a rich landscape. Let us remember the story of the bison and the people of the plains. Let us be like Buffalo, brave and sure, with his head close to the earth, listening for words and deeds of respect for the web of life that sustains us. Thank you for listening to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship with content and financial support from the Unitarian Universalist Church of Muncie and technical support from radio stations WCRD and Work FM. Most importantly, we thank you, our listeners and followers, for your support. To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza, George Wolfe, and Thomas Perchlick. Thank you for listening, and have a pleasant week.